Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast where three literary matchmakers set you up with your next great read using only dating app questions like, do you consider yourself a romantic? What is your dream Saturday? If tattoos only lasted one year, what would you get? What's your go-to karaoke song? This is Blind Date with a Book. Prepare to fall in love. Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book, Meet Cute. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Manns McKenney, and I'm an author and book reviewer from the Midwest. I'm Elena Nicolau, and I'm a senior entertainment editor at Today.com. I'm Kristen Evans, a critic and culture writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Today, we're setting up Sterling Melcher. Sterling is a multidisciplinary artist who lives in Philly. His work investigates the connections between performance, absurd philosophy, hard sciences, and the political landscape. He also manages a restaurant, so his weekends and nights are usually busy. Sterling's favorite season is fall for its mood lighting and perfect wardrobe options, and his dream vacation would be backpacking in Scandinavia, then skipping over to St. Petersburg before flying back to the U.S. He's a self-proclaimed movie snob, especially in that he believes movies should be experienced in a theater with others, and his perfect double feature would be watching the slasher film Mandy starring Nicolas Cage, leading into the 2019 film version of Cats. Sterling, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. <laughs> so you weave all kinds of forms into your work, film into plays, art into film. So how do you map out or think through a new artistic project? Oh, that's a good question. Oftentimes, it starts with just like a simple idea. So uh, I run a pr- production company with my friend Meg, and we often just start with a, a question. And then... From there, we tend to take about a year and a half or two years to develop a piece. And it goes through multiple iterations of us playing around with different ideas physically or uh, through the written word or vocally. And I use note cards a lot. The three by five note cards are perfect for just kind of jotting down ideas and spreading them out and being able to, to visualize stuff not in a linear way, more of kind of a, a web yeah, so what's one of the themes that you you all have explored together? So our first piece that we did, we did a, this is funny, it was actually before the pandemic, we did a piece where I was in Minneapolis, or I was in Philadelphia and she was in Minneapolis, and we used Zoom to do a dance <laughs> duet across the United States together. Um, and a core kind of question for that was, can you recreate a physical connection from a distance or through technology. Wow, that is so prescient. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, besides being an, a working artist, you also have had sort of a, your part of your career is working in the, the restaurant business. So what are your favorite parts of that world? I've always kind of been torn between the performance world and the culinary world. Growing up, I thought I was going to go to culinary school and all that kind of stuff. I guess it, it really is just kind of two different forms of connecting with people. In the restaurant industry, and specifically like where I work, like the more like fine dining aspect of it, where it's about the the skill and the execution of the people who are in the restaurant and sharing that with people and building new experiences with people, creating relationships through that food and beverage bridge, essentially, is very similar to the performance world where it's about the people in the room together having a, a dialogue through something that isn't necessarily like a 
I'm speaking to you, you're speaking back to me. What's one thing you noticed when you go into a restaurant that's not your own that you think other people might not notice? Oh, um... (laughs) (laughs) You can take a second. I'm I'm putting you on the spot now. (laughs) Yeah, I've never really thought about that before. What kind of candles people use or if they use candles? Oh, Ooh, so specific. Yeah. yeah. Well, my mom sold candles uh, as for her. Well, she was in, she was part of a company that was a candle company and she did uh, sales for them. And so I'm always kind of clocking like what types of candles are used and what kind of ambiance they bring. I actually use a lot of candles in my visual artwork as well. That is fascinating. It really is a very specific kind of light. It makes you think about light and darkness in a very different way than other kinds of less movable um, light forms. Totally. Yeah. yeah. We also hear you're a Wordle fan. So what's your, <laughs> what's, what's your Wordle regimen? How do you go through that? So I do four different of these ones. My So my close friend in New York and I, we do Wordle and then I share it with my family as well. But my friend and I, we do the four different wordles. Uh, we do, and I go uh, wordle, which is uh, guessing the silhouette of a country, which I'm very bad at. Uh, and she is very good at it because she was a geography minor in college. And then we do framed, which it, it gives you six frames from a movie, and you have to guess the movie from those frames. I'm good at that one. That one I can usually do within the first couple or three times. And then Hurdle, which both of us are mediocre at, which is the song-based one. And I simply just don't remember the intros to songs that couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, like a Rolling Stone gave me nightmares afterwards because I was like, I don't know the intro to this song. And then World Wordle is what I finish up with. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah. It's a, cl- a palate cleanser. Yeah, well, it's the one that everybody does, you know, like the other ones get my mind starting to work so that I can be better at Wordle. Um, So what do you love about Philly? Oh, there's so much to love about Philly. First of all, the the food scene in Philadelphia is one of the best in the United States. And I think that people don't really know that. A big part of that is that it's also very casual. I went recently to a very nice Italian restaurant in just shirts, uh, shirt and ripped up jeans, and nobody thought anything of it. But other than that, there... It's a very bikeable city. The The roads are very bad. There are a lot of potholes, but the bike lanes that exist and the actually the like geography of the city is set up for you to be able to, to bike everywhere um, pretty, pretty easily. And then also the art scene in Philadelphia is fantastic. Specifically, the um, dragon burlesque uh, scene in Philadelphia is some of the most interesting work that's being done, not only in the city, but I think in the United States. Awesome. Excellent. Now people have to add it to their their list of places to go. Um, mm-hmm. And and hopefully they'll be out your way soon. So one, we have to do a book question, right? So what keeps you from reading? So because I work at night, I have a really hard time doing anything before I go to work. I'm just incapacitated by the thought of not even that I'm thinking about work, and what I'm going to do when I'm there, just the thought of going to work is like, oh, okay, I don't have any time to do anything. Yeah, it sort of sucks up your your energy for thinking ahead of that kind of stuff. And a lot of us, I know, unwind with books at the end of the day, but I bet by the time you get off, you're just done. Yeah, I, I tend to just come home and, and pop on some, I'm usually home late enough that whatever uh, Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel or uh, Samantha Bee has already aired and has some stuff up on YouTube. 
Excellent. Well, hopefully we will find you something today that encourages you to pick up a book with your morning coffee um, <laughs> when you start the next morning so you can get a little reading done earlier in the day. So Sterling, over the next two rounds, we're each going to introduce you to some books that we love. We're going to get points based on how much you like the dates that we set you up on. So you're going to win no matter what with some wonderful recommendations. But one of us will win by being this week's best matchmaker. So if we win, we get to play for our favorite indie bookstores. And today I'm going to be playing for an Iowa institution, River Lights in Dubuque, Iowa. They just celebrated their 15th anniversary. Uh, Elena, who are you playing for? So this week we're doing our first ever international bookstore, which I realize poses problems, but I have to give them a shout out. This is Academic in General, which is this um, English language bookstore in Cyprus where my family is from and my parents just met and went and told them all about the podcast. I've been going there since I was a kid. So I want to give them a shout out for doing the good work and, and giving me beach reads when I'm there. <laughs> oh, I love that. And Kristen, what indie bookstore are you playing for? I'm playing for Bookstore One, which is in Sarasota, Florida. And I went there a few weeks ago when I was in Sarasota visiting family. And it was a really nice, it was a really nice story. Excellent. Okay, Sterling, we are so excited to set you up with some books. So get ready for your literary meet cutes. Okay, Elena, what is your first round pick? All right, Sterling, I was stuck on this line in your questionnaire. You wrote, I think I used to consider myself a romantic, and I find myself wondering where that went. I took that line and then combined it with your dream vacation, which is a backpacking trip through Scandinavia in the summertime, as well as your reference toward liking other Scandinavian fiction. Put it all together and you have Open Me by Lisa Locasio. It's a longing, sexy, evocative, coming-of-age story of a young woman trying to find herself during a study abroad year in Denmark. Open Me is really about sort of the erosion of romanticism and what's replaced when the main character's ideas of love and sex are replaced with a real thing, which is often messier and often scarier. Roxana Olsen heads to Copenhagen, which is her second study abroad choice instead of going to Paris. Friendless yet exhilarated by possibility, she becomes close to Soren, a local Danish guy. Together, Roxana is given a map of her desire and they walk it together. But when they when he takes her to a remote cabin, things are suddenly all on his terms. And her blossoming friendship with an immigrant man who lives in the local area is what might get her out of Soren's web. Um, the entire novel has this like haunting, erotic thriller vibe what happens when you let someone in? What are the dangers of intimacy as well as the pay as well as the payoffs? It imagines relationship as a dark wood, and when you're alone, unmoored from your community, what can happen? So it's not romantic and it's not idealistic, but it is very sexy and very Scandinavian. And maybe that could be enough for you. That is Open Me by Lisa Lucasio. All right. So Elena's first round pick is Open Me by Lisa Lucasio. Kristen, what's your first round pick? My pick is neither romantic nor Scandinavian, except in the sense that it is extremely metal. <laughs> um, so, Sterling, I found myself thinking quite a lot about this strange, surreal novel from Jenny Hwal that you recently loved. I, I spent a lot of time kind of looking at the book because I was unfamiliar with it. And then I was also thinking about your fascination with the medieval time period, not just because you recently read and loved Pillars of the Earth, 
but that you would also consider getting a tattoo of a medieval chimera. So this led me to an unusual novel called The Seventh Mansion, the first from poet and short story writer Maurice Meyer. It follows Z, an idealistic teenage environmentalist who sticks out like a sore thumb in his conservative southern town. In addition to staging protests and liberating minks from a local farm, Z finds himself drawn to a church in the woods where he liberates the bones of a medieval saint martyred for refusing to kill a lamb. I actually paused to think about like why there would be the bones of a medieval saint in the American South, and I just was like, no, don't think about it. (laughs) As if under a spell, Z falls in love with these skeletal remains and begins seeing visions of the saint everywhere. The book is queer, transgressive, and told in these breathless breathless fragments that drive the slim book forward to its shocking conclusion. It's also one of the few books I've read that has tried to really reckon with what it means to live in a world corrupted by capitalism and environmental decline. And it makes sense that we see that world through Z's eyes, a teenager on the cusp of adulthood, a queer boy on the cusp of understanding who he is, what he desires, and what it means to create and protect a family. It's a really wild ride, and I hope you try it out. All right, so Kristen's first round pick is The Seventh Mansion by Maurice Meyer. Okay, mine is a much more traditional pick, but I'm still standing by it, Sterling. Especially with your love of theater and the fact that one of your favorite novels was Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett, which is a sprawling historical novel. I'm recommending the incredible novel that's gotten a lot of attention from 2020, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. This book takes Shakespeare's life and turns it to the domestic, especially as a portrait of a marriage and parenthood set around the death of Shakespeare's son, Hamnet. The novel follows Agnes, his wife, through adolescence and into young marriage, jumping back and forth between these scenes and the deathbed of the son and its aftermath. Your response of wanting to have a tattoo inspired by medieval woodcuttings, including a chimera, made me think that you'd love the way that Agnes's character is almost a mystic. More than anything, more than a history, more than an in-depth imagining of a family, this is a beautifully written but fully engaging book. You say that you used to consider yourself a romantic, and this sentiment makes me think of O'Farrell's luminous prose and this close journey we take with the main character. If you haven't read it yet, you need to read Hamnet. Not only is it a deeply nuanced portrait of the most famous playwright in history, it's just a darn good novel. Okay, Sterling. So this leaves you with three very hard choices for your first round. We have Open Me by Lisa Lacasio. The Seventh Mansion by Maurice Meyer or Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. Which one would you choose to take out? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every single time y'all have, uh, I, I, I'm just always amazed by the choices that you have. I mean, okay. So first off the, so going through, I'm just going to go in order. Open me. I think that I haven't really read a lot of like, erotic thrillers or like romance novels. And I I remember listening to y'all's episode for Valentine's Day about the romance novels. And I was like, oh, I should really get into this world. And this specifically like really captures a lot of themes that I'm really interested in. And also I feel like it's like close to where I've been in like the last eight months, not in like a a very literal way, but it's uh, just, I've, uh, you know, been in a period of transition. I feel like this, that first novel really kind of would capture or capture me in, in a lot of those themes and the seventh mansion, Kristen, as soon as you said, it's extremely metal. I was like, it's going to be really hard. 
<laughs> to not pick something that is extremely metal. There's um, no other description for that book. <laughs> look, I uh, I'm a big doom metal fan and like gothic, southern gothic metal. Um, uh, so I feel like I would also really want to read that book and like curate a playlist to it while I was doing that. And then Hamnet, I mean Shakespeare. Shakespeare's one of those people who like now I'm like, oh, I don't need to like see a Shakespeare play for a really long time because I studied it for a long time and like was just like immersed in that world for so long. But always I'm interested in these more like nuanced, like bring the mythical person down to a real life situation. Yeah. And just kind of unearth a little bit more of maybe even if it's not like historically accurate, still just kind of investigating somebody through that more personal lens, something a little bit more grounded. And, and um, I'm saying the same words over and over again. So I'm just going to go ahead and start to make my pick. I, for this round, I'm going to pick the seventh mansion. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Even it's if- so strange. It's really, really a strange book, but I felt like with the, the pick that you shared in your questionnaire, I was like, I think, I think you would really like this. There are yeah. very few people that I would recommend this book for. But yeah, I hope you really like it. It's, who's, it's who's the publisher? Ones. It's out um, on FSG. It's a, okay. a, either an FSG original or an, a, a McD original. Sorry, FSG, if I'm not remembering which one. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Okay. Yep. And you know, it's worth looking up the cover right now, doing a Google. You'll see right. like the skeleton hand <laughs> and the like through the crown. It's It's got like the gilt on oh, the cover. Yeah, wow. It's okay. wild. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, that that encapsulates a lot of a lot of what I'm what I'm into. Yeah. All right. Well, although Sterling had very kind descriptions of the other books, he absolutely was blown out of the water by Kristen's round <laughs> one pick. So with 20 points, Kristen is our leader currently. But Elena and I are not giving up that easily. We will be back in round two with some more amazing picks. Welcome back to round two of Blind Date with a Book. We're here with Sterling Melcher and we're setting him up with some amazing recommendations. So Elena, how about you kick it off for round two with your second pick? Throughout your questionnaire and during our conversation earlier, I sensed the theme of aesthetics and how important art is to your life. Um, As my co-host has stated, you said you'd get a back tattoo just because you want to see what it looks like, which is a good reason. And that you would be inspired by medieval woodcuttings. On a day off, you said you'd want to go to a museum in your questionnaire. All of this led me to believe you might be interested in the why behind it all. Why we like the things that we do. Why we're drawn to one piece of art over another. Why you might go to the store and pick out one set of spoons and I'd pick out another. The Architecture of Happiness by Elaine Tabodden is an inquiry into that question. Clearly our material possessions in our homes bring us a kind of joy. It's why so many of us nest and collect things and seek out art to put on the walls. Tabodden is interested in how we use everyday objects as a means of expressing ourselves the same way we do with clothes. Kind of like what you were saying, why does a restaurant choose a certain kind of candle? What are they trying to say? The book is also interested in how our spaces affect us and why some might want to sit in a cathedral 
Cathedral and others are totally blissed out in the stadium. The book is surprisingly breezy considering it's drawing from philosophy, architecture, and other lofty academic fields, but since one of your favorite books, it finds drama out of the construction of a cathedral, I sense those themes are up your alley. Throughout this book, you'll learn how beauty shapes us and how we bend ourselves toward it and toward whatever definition of it we have. They say beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but the book is less of, way less about beauty and more about the beholder. I guarantee you will never go shopping or go to a museum or even sit in someone's house the same way again, having read this book. That's the architecture of happiness. Okay, so Elena's round two pick is the architecture of happiness by Elena de Botton. Okay, Kristen, what's your round two pick? Alrighty, my second choice is another book that attempts to reckon with alternative ways of making a family and reimagining the individual's relationship to the collective. It might even be a supporting text for your on-the-spot TED Talk about loving yourself enough to be part of a group, Sterling. Madeline Fitch's Stay and Fight is at once an old-fashioned novel and something completely new, which is, I think, only made possible because of the absolutely compelling voice of her novel. Stay and Fight is told in alternating points of view. There's Helen, a college graduate who uproots herself from Seattle to follow her boyfriend Shane to Appalachian, Ohio, where they buy a piece of wooded land on a hillside without a clue about how to survive in the wilderness. When Shane abandons Helen, she spends the winter learning to hunt and forage. She manages to survive, but recognizes that she needs help. So she tries to convince a neighboring queer couple, Lily and Karen, who have just given birth to their son, Pearly, to stay and work the land with her. We hear all three women's voices over the course of the novel, as well as the voice of Pearly, who is incidentally one of the more wonderful child narrators I've encountered. Funny and inventive and wise all at once. But when the state intervenes to take Pearly away from Lily and Karen, how will this unlikely family stay together? This book is dirt under your fingernails and the smell of gasoline and a chainsaw, an ode to an overlooked part of the country, and an underappreciated form of family and community. And thanks to Fitch's exquisite writing, it will rollick by in a flash, changing you along the way. All right, so Kristen's round two pick is Stay and Fight by Madeline Fitch. For myself, I had several ideas for the second book recommendation, but I kept wondering what felt the most cinematic to me, the most deeply intriguing and something you'd want to pick up throughout the day, even when you felt exhausted. The fact that your on-the-spot TED Talk would be about community and the dissolution of self, and the fact that I know you love and flourish in a city, that made me want to pick a deeply community-centered, city-based novel. An Olive Grove and Ends is a very recent release just out in this early summer by Moses McKenzie. It's his debut. The main character, Seon, lives in a tight-knit Bristol neighborhood and was raised by his grandmother and with his close cousin, Cuba. As he grows up, he tries to find a path out with his goal set on buying a house despite the rapidly gentrifying neighborhood, which makes that almost impossible. He also dreams of moving out with his up-and-coming music producer girlfriend, Shauna, but that also becomes impossible when fate intercedes and he has to take a man's life. No spoilers, but this novel, with its frenetic voice and weighty themes, plus its emphasis on betrayals, the search for God, and the deep bonds of family, felt Dickensian in the best ways. Your appreciation for the film Mandy made me think that, okay, even despite no LSD in this, a book centered on revenge plots and twisted religious themes might hit home for you. Plus, told in the first person, right, set in seance, wry sense of humor and clear-sighted view of even his own shortcomings as well as societies. You can easily picture this book as a movie or a play with its clearly set scenes and searing dialogue. That would be An Olive Grove and Ends by Moses McKenzie. All right, Sterling, we've given you another difficult set of choices here. Your round two picks were The Architecture of Happiness by Alain de Botton, Kristen's round two pick, Stay and Fight by Madeline Fitch, 
or my round two pick, and Olive Grove and Ends by Moses McKenzie. Which one would you pick? Oh boy. So revenge films are some of my favorite films. So immediately I am fully drawn to an Olive Grove and Ends, uh, specifically like something that is... It's funny because, Rachel, when you were describing the the book, it started out as like, oh, this is like most of my, most of the people I know in Philadelphia are, you know, my age. And they're like, should I buy a house? And then they're like, oh, it's a hundred, like, you know, $300,000 and it's it's entirely too small and, and it's probably falling apart even though it's new because the construction is bad in Philly. And then you said the words, takes a man's life. And I was like, and that took a drastic turn. And it now sounds nothing like my the people I know in Philly. But yeah, so that one, first off, is, is really intriguing. Uh, Stay and Fight. I didn't really realize that I, I think that I am more interested in this idea of like making of alternative families and uh, thinking about community in like the uh, familial realm rather than just like friendships and and organization and that kind of stuff. And then also the architecture of happiness, really the description of that book seems to follow a lot of themes that I've been kind of thinking about. And I've been really interested in psychogeography recently and just how the human body interacts with the the made world and also the natural world and just kind of like where we what are the what are the things that we miss when we think that we're doing something mundane but it's actually quite extraordinary like even just I'm sitting next to a, a plant a sponge and like a group of dried leaves and I don't know I would feel differently if it was something else I'm gonna go with the architecture of happiness yeah yeah which one did you think i was gonna go for i thought you were gonna go for rachel's for sure but i could hear, I could hear like the wheels turning I, I actually thought elena's was gonna get it too it just sounds really fascinating and kind of like like the kind of reading that could really become part of some more further art which yes. can be really mm-hmm. tempting um sometimes i was thinking that too yeah, because also the the problem with like why don't I read as much is also why am I not making art as much, and that's been a huge part of where I've been at currently, and just kind of rebuilding these habits and re just kind of rethinking how I exist in my where I live because I also just moved recently, so like right before this recording, I've I've been like hanging paintings and like storing stuff and that kind of thing. I think that the questions that you were asking when you were describing the book just lead me to believe that this book is so up your alley. This book is your alley. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. I'm I'm excited for you to read it. All right. So where this leaves us is at the end of round two, uh, Elena has 20 points for her excellent selection of the architecture of happiness. And Kristen has 20 points because of her pick of The Seventh Mansion by Maurice Meyer. So you are a listener of the show. You know what comes mm-hmm. next. We are going to be having you judge these books by their covers. All right. The cover of The Seventh Mansion is, of course, um, a black void <laughs> uh, in which we see the skeletal fingers of the saint kind of reaching through a halo. There's also a nail centered directly in the middle of the cover. And through the 
the bony, ghostly fingers. Uh, there are also kind of green shoots, you know, sticking their little their little tendrils out, and that and that carries through the the environmental themes of the novel. And I believe in person, the parts that are gold do have a little bit of a, a shimmer or a gilt gilt shine to them. So that is the cover of the Seventh Mansion by Maurice Meyer. All right, Elena, what does your cover look like? There are a few editions of The Architecture of Happiness, but I'm going to describe the book that I read, the edition that I read. And The Architecture of Happiness's cover, for me, the question that first comes to mind is why? I'm like, okay, why are these elements on the cover? So the font is very, what is it, sans serif? It's like blocks of white and it says the architecture of happiness behind it is a purple wall with a shadow on half the wall and then there's a po- a white like pegasus pony on a peg i mean it's it's very much like what is going on here and then at the top half is the sky and the trees and i think that the cover is like intentionally philosophical it's supposed to be asking why do we confine ourselves in these spaces the world is out there what ornaments do we put in these spaces that like give us personality you know when you invite someone into your home you're kind of inviting them into like a reflection of you depending on what kind of person you are so i think it's sort of like about the division between the made world and the natural world as sterling was saying and the the cover itself is i think meant to make you question things as is the book all right. So just judging by those covers, Sterling, which book would you select? Yeah. Uh, judging by the covers, uh, the seventh mansion, I want to say, is not metal enough. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the description of the book and I'm very excited to read it. Uh, and I think it's going to be very metal. But I'm like, oh, if you're going to be a very metal book, like, metal it up on that cover um so i'm gonna have to go with the architecture of happiness because also i do i like i look at the architecture of happiness and i immediately am drawn to it like the simplicity of it the angles the the use of lighting it's it's very like it's it's a it's a fully thought through geometric piece um, that also has a lot to do with like, I'm looking at it and I also am feeling the feelings that I feel like I'm going to feel when I read the book, which is like, like you said, it's like, why? Or also like, Oh, I want to be in that space. That's like the highest compliment for a book designer, whoever designed the cover. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) So where that leaves us is that Elena is today's winner and we have our first international bookstore winner. So academic in general in Larnica, Cyprus. Congratulations. We will hopefully find some way to link to you. And if not, we will link to bookshop.org and absolutely link to the website for Larnica. So check for that in our show notes. Sterling, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that all of your reading goes well and you'll have to update us later. Where can we find you and what are you working on? Yeah. So uh, also, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. I you can find me on Instagram at Sterling Melcher. Um, if all of a sudden a bunch of random people start adding me, then I'll like I'll just have to approve all of those notifications. But I'm I also love connecting with people, so feel free. And then my website is sterlingmelcher.com. I am currently working on nothing, but have a lot of ideas. One of which is in the connection between restaurants and 
theater. Uh, I have a friend who is working with me on a piece, or we're working together on a piece that will involve cooking in front of and for people as a performance. And we're trying to investigate what that is at a theatrical level. So if you have a lot of money and you'd like to grant Sterling, get in touch. Yes. <laughs> Elena, where can we find you on the internet winner? You, every time it's <laughs> laugh so hard. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Elena Wonders. And Kristen, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at, at Paper Alphabet, P-A-P-E-R Alphabet. And you can find me on Twitter as well at R.M. McKenney, M-C-K-E-N-N-Y, or at Rachel Manns McKenney on Instagram. You can find all the books we talked about today in our show notes, and all the buy links will hopefully go toward academic in general. If not, check for their website in our show notes. You can find our show online at blinddatewithabookpod.com and at bookmeetcute on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow us and tell us all the books that you have fallen in love with recently. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mans McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mans McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.